Welcome to Tits Up. When things go tits up, they're broken. Tits up can also mean brave up and get on with it. This is what we do as mothers. When things are broken, we pull up our big girl pants and we wade through the muck. So a doula is predominantly a woman that uh, supports you, offers emotional support, um, resources, information, physical support before, during and after the birth of your baby. Go along, prepare them, go along to the birth and then support them postnatally in the home. So it's really having that continuity along that continuum to parenthood and having that one person. Those people who were significant and helpful. I think it's the kindness, you know, that we remember. Make food, nurture Sarah, pack her together, you know, like might chuck the baby's washing in the machine, you know, stuff like that that's, Mm -hmm. yes, you know, sort of, they're not a cleaner and a cook and a this and a that, but doing different, illness have different skills, but this was so, and that emotional support was beautiful. I mean, she'd be sitting there singing to Archie while Sarah had a shower. That, that mirroring, that modelling. And and I find that often mums just need confidence. Hmm. They just hmm. need someone to say you're doing a good job. This episode of Tits Up is sponsored by Booby Foods, all natural and organic foods to nourish you as you breastfeed your baby. Our Tits Up guest today is Renee Adair and we're discussing Mothering the Mother. Renee Adair is the founder and director of the Australian Doula College, the Groundwork Program and the Australian Doula College's charity arm, Doula Heart Network. Working in collaboration, Renee helped produce the first research on doulas in Australia, which was published in the Journal of Perinatal Education in 2013. She's been around a while. And in 2019, Renee proudly partnered with Charles Darwin University to co-facilitate accredited doula training for Indigenous women in the remote First Nations community of Galawinku. Have I said that right? Galawinku, that's right, yeah. She sat on the Consumer Advisory Board of the Australian College of Midwives, trained thousands of doulas and supported hundreds of women, their partners and families through pregnancy, birth, early parenting and end of life over the course of her career. So that's death doulas as well. Mm -hmm. A fierce advocate for human rights and the rights of all sentient beings, Renee blends her life's work spending downtime with her family, friends and fur babies. Welcome, Renee, and I'm so excited to be talking to you. This topic, Mothering the Mother, is close to my heart, and I know it's a passion of yours too. It certainly is. Hi, Pinky. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast today. We've been friends and colleagues for such a long time. It's really great to be here with you in this space and uh, to be able to share what, well, the passion of Mothering the Mother with your audience today. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's a privilege yeah. to have you, even though we have to do remote um, chat and we're not in the same room. But you know what? If we were in the same room, we'd probably talk all day. So <laughs> true. True. <laughs> no one would stop. So first up, just for the listeners who mightn't know, and I remember when the word doula first became popular back in the 70s, can you just tell us what a doula is and was there a tits up experience that started off this passion of yours? Mm. Or was it just a, an involvement from what you were already doing? But what mm. actually is a doula first? Oh, sure. So a doula is predominantly a woman 
that uh, supports you, it offers emotional support, um, resources, information, physical support before, during and after the birth of your baby. And as you did mention, there's also end of life doulas. Um, and really doulas came into the fore to meet the needs of, of women, most women having their babies in the hospital systems, there started to be gaps. Women were starting to feel unheard, not supported emotionally on that journey uh, into motherhood, which we know is, is so incredible and so life-changing. Uh, it's sacred business. So the doula really brings all of that back and into the fore. Um, also, continuity of care started to be an issue. And, and when the word doula came here and we started using it in Australia, it was about 2003, 2002. Oh, that late. Yep. Oh, because really? I remember reading the book. Um, oh God, I'm trying to think of the name of it now. Back in the 70s, mm -hmm. and you know how it came from this Greek word meaning mother's yes. servant. Yes. And I remember reading that that book back in the 70s and yes. so it's taken a long long time mm -hmm. for it to become a formalized um sort of support support and profession it did it really did and here in australia we we existed i've been working as a as a doula for um 24 years um uh, but we didn't call ourselves that here in australia i was a birthing companion some some of my clients called me coach which is pretty funny uh, <laughs> uh, so we were doing the work without that label if you like and that sort of formal sense and um, you know, most of us then too were childbirth, independent childbirth and parenting educators uh, that just started really going to birth. So I remember, you know, being in front of a class and someone would say, would you come to the birth with us and, and be present? And, uh, you know, you go along, prepare them, go along to the birth and then support them postnatally in the home. So it's really having that continuity along that continuum to parenthood and having that one person really who gets to know you and understand your values and uh, is able to nurture you through that transformation, that major transition of becoming a parent. Mm. Right. So it wasn't really a tits up experience that started it. You were doing the childbirth education and then there was people yeah. asking you to come. Well, I guess if I really, if I was honest and I said, was there a tits up experience? I would, I would have to say it was having my own two two babies I was working as an aromatherapist and Reiki practitioner and I had two incredible home births with an amazing midwife and I had two doulas although they weren't called that but two dear friends who supported me along that journey and uh, I was in childbirth and parenting edu education classes with Marie Burrows and wow. I, I mean that's going back right that's going back yeah and uh, in the front of the class was uh, a student who was becoming a childbirth and parenting education teacher. And I was like, wow, I think I really want that job, you know. And so when Ruby was, uh, she was still a baby. She was, I think, about seven, eight months old. I decided to go and study with Marie and spent two years in an apprenticeship with her and started going to births. Mm. Wow. So, yeah, early childbirth. Mm -hmm. Education, yeah, and then on to becoming that attendant at birth. Now, fell in love, yeah, 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 and that passion's very obvious still. It is. It's yeah. It's deep in my soul. Mm. Mm. It's what you do and who you are. 
not mm. just what you do. Yeah. I believe that too. I think that in this work it it is it is a part of you. It's not it's there is nothing separate, if you like. No, you like don't I go to work. work. Like I go to work and come home and forget about my job. Um, in in essence, it is a part of me, and we 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 don't switch off often um, in a healthy way. People say, "Oh, that's not good," but it's that you know, um, I have uh, tips and tricks in place that that keep me going. Uh, but certainly, yeah, it's it is something that is the energy is is there, and I feel like the source um, just provides that energy to keep going and to keep motivated. Does. Yeah. Yeah. I think it does. And yeah. And when you're working with mothers and babies, you just see that, I don't know that need, but also whether it's that oxytocin or as well as the connection and those parents, and then they'll come back. You know, I find that too, you know, that a parent will contact me five, six, 10 years down the track, you know, or something. And they might have a question or they might just ask how you're going, or they might tell me where they're at. It's like, this extended family almost isn't it it is it's beautiful my son was working the other day in uh, his dad's shop which we started together all those years ago 25 years ago and uh, a gentleman came into the shop and uh, and uh, said to one of the one of the guys that works there my son was standing next to him said oh your your mum I think it was your mum was at the birth of my son 22 years ago. Wish her well. We think of her all the time on his birthday 22 years ago. Oh, how beautiful. Went, Actually, it's my mum. It's my mum. <laughs> my mum, not his mum. <laughs> and uh, and he was like, yeah, we think of her every every birthday. I was like, wow, how incredible was that 22 years ago, right? Well, when we think of it, you know, we remember the people that were significant in a good way or a bad way you know that around our babies and our children whether it's their birth or whether it might be a particular child health nurse or just a neighbor who took our washing off the line you know things that someone who brought us a casserole or you know you just remember those those people who were significant and helpful I think it's the kindness you know that we remember and sadly a lot of people will remember the nasty people or the ones that weren't so helpful but it is that kindness that that comes and that and that sense of compassion towards new parents that I think sometimes we miss today um we we just seem to be on this treadmill where it's like you just get on with it and we don't have the village mentality so much anymore a lot of parents are isolated particularly now with COVID um and we need the village we need kindness we're having one of life's biggest transitions it's right. the real change of life, it's isn't real it? Real change of life. You know, people call menopause the oh, change of life, and you say, no freaking way. Well, to- <laughs> well, I don't know about that because I certainly did have a big change there too. Oh. But I know that the significance of the emotional connection to that baby and the sacredness of birth and the sacredness of parenting, you know, I think gets sometimes brushed over. And we get stuck into that physical mentality of the doing, you know, mm. have I fed the baby? What time is it? Is it time for the baby's sleep? Is it this? Is it that? Is it, you know, am I doing all the right things rather than just coming back into the self and being in the moments that are so, so precious with a newborn? But I think we've had, we've got such an information overload now that we're coming from our heads rather than our hearts 
And I think, you know, I mean, my TED talk was about that, you know, about surrender. But I just think we there's too much pressure outside. And, and right now, with I mean, you're in Sydney, Australia. I'm in Melbourne, Australia. For those of who aren't in Australia, you may not realise, but we're in lockdown again yes. or Thank still. You. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know which is which anymore. Which is which anymore? Um, hospitals are treating COVID patients, so that's a scary thing for parents to yes. consider. You know, as they go to hospital for their checkups and everything. You know, am I safe? And it, mm-hmm. you know, is that person walking past me going to breathe on me or whatever? Or are they going to breathe on my baby? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's so much more anxiety around and. Mm-hmm. You know what? What else are you seeing for these birthing parents? You know that 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 isolation, the, you know the vulnerability, that all all mixed into one. What sort of things are you seeing happening mm. in your work? Yeah, look, I think it's it's really it's a really tough time to be having a baby. It really is. I mean, for the most part, most women are already and their partners already bring, you you come with a natural amount of anxiety, don't you? And a bit of, and a lot of vulnerability, particularly having your first baby. And now we've got this this other layer of complexity. Um, So at the moment, depending on where you are in Australia, uh, doulas are not allowed into the birthing space. So a lot of women are deeply anxious about that. They've hired a doula. They want the doula in the space with them. All their partners are, are anxious. Uh, they mm. may have had a previous trauma. You know, it might be their second or third baby. And uh, there's a lot of trauma there. So we just have been very creative in how we work with families. And, uh, you know, people are still hiring doulas, which is great. And we're doing virtual doula work. So we're working in the home with the families um, and preparing them for the birth. And interestingly, what has come out of this that, that I can see that's a positive is that a lot of dads and partners are being called to step up a little more in the birth. So maybe maybe they wanted to sit back a little bit in the space and they wanted the doula to step up a little more. Well, hey, we're not there. So we're going to teach you this skill set. Um, so that's quite good. Um, and doulas have been on the phone, over Zoom, on computers, FaceTime, normal telephone, the whole situation through a birth. Um, and then parents we've noticed are getting home quicker. And that's, I think, a positive too. Um, they don't want to stay around the postnatal ward too much um, for fear of COVID, as well as the fact that, you know, there's no visitors allowed. So mm. you know, families are being sort of cut off from extended family. So the doula is then doing all of that great stuff postnatally um, and families are welcoming, welcoming us into the, their homes, which is really, which is really good. Mm, no, I noticed my daughter had her baby, one of my daughters, um, had her baby in Dubai last year in total lockdown with $50,000 fines if you went out of your house. Like it was dead set serious lockdown mm-hmm. and she was in a compound with armed guards and because her husband was a pilot they've moved back here now just done their quarantine finally got back but I still haven't seen the baby who's now 16 months because oh. they're in Sydney I'm in Melbourne borders are closed so we still haven't seen this beautiful baby but we're on the time same time zone um but no I I could you know I just thought this poor girl's getting out of hospital she's had a, a surgical birth she's you know she's an infection and a wound she's she's fragile and vulnerable and her husband's a pilot he's going to be away for five days at a time after that first week or so mm. 
And, you know, and, and neither of them had had a baby before. I mean, she'd been around younger siblings, but he hadn't. He's the youngest in the family. And, you know, it's frightening when you see your, your partner in, in any discomfort or pain or not being sure about breastfeeding or getting advice that's conflicting, but you send home anyway. And um, I managed to put word out through someone that, you know, knew there and she got a doula who both of them were completely illegally there, but she was able to go in for a few hours, you know, several days at a time, which, which just was that beautiful, you know, you're stuck on the couch feeding this baby and you've put your spag bowl in the microwave, but you know, the baby's, and by the time your baby's settled, you don't want to move him because he's fallen asleep in your arms, but you still can't reach that spag bowl, you know? So, and she had booby bickies on her coffee table, but you know, you, you, you can't feed yourself. You can't do anything. And this beautiful doula was making her shakes and cooking mm. meals. She was actually an English woman who had um, run her own cafe restaurant in the UK. So her meals were divine and both parents absolutely loved her food. So she would come in for a couple of hours and make food, nurture Sarah, yeah. pack it together, you know, mm. like might chuck the baby's washing in the machine, you know, stuff like that that's... Mm -hmm. Yes. You no, know, sort of, they're not a cleaner and a cook and a this and a that, but doing yeah. different, yeah. have different skills. But this was so, and that emotional support was beautiful. I mean, she'd be sitting there singing to Archie mm. while Sarah had a shower. Beautiful. You know, that sort of stuff that beautiful. just, mm. and also I, I thought about, you know, the singing to a baby, the modeling for that mum too, mm. without telling a mother what to do, but having that modeling for a mum around yeah. how to how to manage things is, yeah. is quite beautiful because it's not intrusive to have someone it's and it's intrusive. a bit like having your own mum mm -hmm. agreed and look that's why we call it mothering the mother right so yeah you know, we all need our mums when we have a baby and uh, for, for whatever reason you know with COVID right now we're separated or some people don't have their mothers with them or you know parents are away whatever the case may be and, and and by having a doula there, you know, as and you mentioned, we don't take over. That's the thing that we're not no. at. You don't hand the baby to the doula and go out and do your shopping or whatever, you know, <laughs> go, to the, go to the beautician or something. We, we're much more sort of that that mirroring, that modelling. And, and I find that often mums just need confidence. Hmm. They just hmm. need someone to say you're doing a good job. See that too. And what a good yes. job you're saying. Wow, did you notice that with the baby? Did you see that little sign? And really just helping them understand the baby's communications, uh, helping them feel more relaxed, making sure they're fed, making sure you can just do put on a load of washing or you know, hang out a load of washing, do those basic sort of home chores so that mum and bub can get in their groove. It can be mm. hard to get in your groove when you've got to think about what you're putting on for dinner tonight or, you know, um, what am I going to eat now or all of those basic mm. things that we do. But it, it takes away from just being with your baby, lying around with your baby, feeding your baby, not watching the clock, you know, being in that love bubble, which is so amazing. It's so incredible. The oxytocin that flows for those weeks after you have your baby is never repeated again. No, no, it's on a high. And this is helping your milk supply establish. It's helping you bond mm -hmm. with your baby. It's, yes. it's allowing you to be in that beautiful bubble. And, yes. you know, which is one plus about 
you know, if parents can be in that bubble, you know, maybe a partner's working from home, maybe, you know, but you're both tired. But, mm. you know, so during COVID, some parents have found that good. Other parents have found it incredibly hard to have that isolation and not to, you know, share that baby with their girlfriends and their mum and their sisters and, mm. you know, because of... Mm. Mm. Yeah, look, I think it's one thing to sort of make a decision that that's what you're going to do, but you still have an option for people to come and go. But I yes. think without the option, I think psychologically we all feel very different. So when we're told mm. we can't do that, it's a different to like, oh, I'm just going to have a few days. I'm just going to close off my friends and family for a few days while I get to know my baby. It's an entirely different mindset. So women uh, and their partners are struggling um, and you know, uh, I would be interested to see what the postnatal depression rates are going to look like over the next 12 months, because I really do fear that they are going to be on the rise um, because of the lack of support. Um, you know, it's it, and fear. I think there's a lot of fear around um, having a newborn at the moment with the fear of COVID, you know, it, it's challenging. And, and for those that have second and third babies, and they've got toddlers at home or, you know, sort of little ones mm. that are growing up, it's even more challenging to have that newborn and have everybody at home. Um, but by having a doula there, I think it really can freshen up the space, clear the headspace and be practical in, in that support. Uh, our doulas don't, come, you know, we don't go to work if anyone's feeling sick or anything and we're very transparent about you know, all of that. And I think if pe more people could know that that was an option for them in this postnatal period, particularly if you're locked down, then if you don't hear anything else from this podcast today, please know that there is support available to you in the home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it is really hard because often I know last year, even, you know, I was able to go out as a lactation consultant to see parents, but the, um, child health nurses were doing virtual you know there's a lot of virtual yes. stuff which mm -hmm. it's not quite the same as having somebody I mean it's good it's a good you know option that it, that's available but it's also beautiful to be in that space with that mother and she doesn't feel like she's time compressed to ask you the questions you know there isn't that time pressure no, but, no, but no. also you can you know you can work with the energy and the values in that home and you can see so much more than you can by doing a virtual consult. You know, yes, of course you can help with that breastfeeding problem virtually, but to actually, like we say, mother the mother, mm -hmm. to have someone in your home who is COVID safe, and obviously you have to take those precautions. precautions of course. Yeah. And, you know, lots of the doulas will now be vaccinated, um, yeah. you know, if that if that's, what you insist you know you have every right to ask people who are coming into your home um you know what their vaccination status is will they be wearing ppe will they be wearing a mask you know you you, you absolutely you know have a right because it's your home it's still your space and you have the right yeah. to say what you would like when people are yes. mothering you whether it's a doula or whether it's you know if you're somewhere else and your own mum can come or your um you know your sister your friend or whatever you you Everybody yeah, finds it, a, you know, people that are going to come find it a privilege to be involved with a new baby. So you're not imposing on anyone. If you say, look, please, can you just hold him while I have a shower? Or, yes. you know, could you put the kettle on? I really would like a hot drink. 
you can ask yeah, that of anyone. It doesn't have to be someone you're paying. You just, you yeah. know, you should be able to ask people for the help you want. But I guess as mums, we're not, you know, as women, we're not um, programmed mm-hmm. to do that. Women are not programmed to ask for help. And I think when we do, we feel like it's a fa- I've been, I'm a failure. I've failed here. There's, I'm not getting this right or I'm not doing it right or I'm not good enough because I need to ask for help. But actually, you know, when we say it takes a village, we're not joking. Like we were never, ever, ever over over all the centuries of time have we mothered like we have now in in, mm. in our society. We, you know, even still in parts of Europe and, and, and Asia, you know, babies are passed around and families are there to help and support and someone does cook a meal and bring it to you and someone's there every morning to take the baby or so you can rest or whatever it might be. That just happens naturally. But in our culture, strangely, over the last few generations, that has really dissipated. And we also have older women saying, you know, why do you need help? I've had three kids or I've had bloody six kids. Who knows? But I've had three kids and I didn't have any help. Okay, you didn't have any help, but it doesn't mean the new mother now doesn't deserve help or wouldn't be easier for her if she had help. And, you know, I mean, it just with some of my children, I had a villages of friends with other children. I was very much on my own and depending, you know, depending where I was living and, the ones where you have those friends who step in, it's so beautiful. Like it's beautiful. it just you just feel held when you've got someone mm-hmm. who just might rock up with a meal right on dinner time. I remember one friend bowled up one time, it was my youngest child, so number five. And I'd just come home from hospital and there was this big toot in the driveway. You know, doot, 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 doot. And then she comes with the biggest pizza you've ever seen and a dessert. And I went, oh. How beautiful. <laughs> and the kids were wrapped. You know, they had dinner, takeaway dinner, right ready there with just because this friend did it, dropped it off and went. And went fantastic. And, you know, like you say that often people are very respectful of that first 40 days or six weeks or whatever it is after you've had a baby, different times in different cultures. Yes. And my neighbours are from um, Pakistan and, you know, my beautiful neighbour Shabana um, nurtures nurtures everyone really she's mother earth but um when their daughter had twins she did her 40 days and when their daughter-in-law had her baby because her parents aren't around you know she went and stayed there for the 40 days and everyone in the family looks after those babies and and even you know their daughter would come over to me at about half past seven at night or so seven o'clock you know it's just getting dark and she'd say I brought you your one (laughs) I'd unwrap whichever twin it was and pop him in my carrier you know I had a sling and I'd pop him in the sling and rock him off to sleep her mum would have the other one tied on to her as she was doing the family dinner or whatever and um you know she'd be able to sit down and you know she'd put my kettle on and sit down and have a um hot drink while I rocked her baby to sleep you know it was just Newborns need to be fed around the clock and the mama milk machine does not stop day or night. The average baby requires at least nine hours of hands-on care a day and that doesn't include all the extra tasks of washing, cooking and basic self-care like simply having a shower 
that goes with a new addition to your family. As you breastfeed and care for your baby, feeding yourself is often the last thing you can manage. And this is why I, Pinky, I'm an international board certified lactation consultant, created delicious booby foods. So far, booby brickies and booby bricky to nourish you as you breastfeed your baby. As a nourishing snack, an analysis by Victoria University Melbourne found that Pinky's booby foods can be a helpful nutritional complement to a healthy balanced diet. And because we know that everything mothers eat will be passed to their baby through breast milk, booby bickies and booby brekkie are made from all natural and organic ingredients with no preservatives or additives. You can download my free ebook, Making More Mummy Milk Naturally, and you'll get 15% off any purchase when you order booby bickies, booby brekkie, or any of the carefully curated breastfeeding accessories at www.boobyfoods.com.au. Use the code TITSUP at checkout to receive your 15% discount. And that's how we should be with all women. Yes. I mean, obviously, we can't do that with COVID in yeah. our neighbourhood but yeah, you know sure. you sort of go that should be normalized mm. yeah not, absolutely not a, not a thing that you know and I've actually had lots of mums who've just kind of rocked up to my place with their kids one was laboring in my driveway <laughs> <laughs> partner said to me can you ring an ambulance she's she's in labor and she was like only about 28 weeks pregnant oh, and wow. I said you have to wait till you get here because I want to talk to her. And and I had their other two kids were like ambulance went red lights and sirens to the hospital and they managed to stop this labour. But, you know, I had the other kids here, yeah. two mm -hmm. toddlers and, yeah. you know, and they'd come completely unprepared, you know, I'm making up food and bottles of God knows what toddlers putting on the wiggles and things. But I just think community is important with no judgment, no you know just be kind yeah kindness is everything and I think community is everything getting to know your neighbors particularly with small babies around is is crucial and I think we need to we need to stick our head over the fence more and and mm. not be afraid to say are you okay like if you hear your neighbor and the baby's crying a lot or whatever without any judgment just say is everything okay do you need a hand can I can I give you a hand at all and you know, just I, I feel like we've become very insular and closed off and even before COVID. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And I think there's this, like, this pressure on women that I can do everything. I can be super mum. Yes, particularly. I should be able yeah, to do everything. Don't should on yourself. Don't should on yourself. Should should not be a word that we use. It's, uh, yeah, shoulding is no good. Um, and I think, I think, too, because women are often older now, too, having their babies, they've achieved so much, right? They've yes. managed so much, you know, I've worked with CEOs and women who've run big business, you know, professors, all kinds of women who kind of like, I've got this, I could, I can manage anything. I can and manage 30 people. I can manage 30 more, 300. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And home they are with this teeny little baby that, of course, we know you can't manage. Baby's not there to be managed. Um, and it goes to the shit um, yep. because they're all in their head about the management of it rather than being in the heart space of it. 
and uh, they, they often come undone. It's very different managing 300 people to a little baby. Um, and uh, there's no wrong or right about it, no judgment. But yeah, I think it's important that we remind women that it's it's not the same kind of gig and it's yeah. okay to ask for yeah. help and to be vulnerable. I think that's really important. I want to make this point. I feel like in our society, in our culture today, people are afraid to be vulnerable uh, through mm. all life's transitions that I see. And I get to work with people in all kinds of amazing transitions in their life. They're really, really pivotal points in their lives. And the one thing that I notice that carries all the way through that they struggle with is the vulnerability that comes with it. And, and to sit in that space for themselves but more importantly, to have someone sit in that space with them and not be afraid. And that's a good doula. A good doula will sit in that space, in that vulnerability with you and not judge you and offer assistance, a helping hand, shoulder to cry on, you know, loving arms and, and some good resources so that you can walk through that journey intact if you like not, yeah, not as intact as you can be yeah without the feeling be, yeah, right yeah without yeah. the shame hopefully and and the you know the self-judgment and whipping that we can do um you know so i i would encourage women to feel more comfortable in their vulnerable in their vulnerability and and by declaring that vulnerability you're actually showing your strengths not your weaknesses no, to reach out and ask for help is a is a really yes human strength, isn't it? It's it not totally is, yeah. and it's for your baby's sake too. It's not just about you and fearing, you know, that you look like a failure or you've stuffed up or you know you can't manage or I don't know. And and but we do we that self flagellation is something that mothers do. And could I have done it better? Or yes, everyone else is managing. Everyone is coping. Coping. That's coping. the horrible word. <laughs> Whatever the hell that word means. But I don't know. <laughs> no, no. But we all have times where we just struggle. I guess don't we with mothering we with life. Life. Life is a roller coaster ride. It's not, it's, it's, there's no highway. <laughs> it's no, it's not like a <laughs> no straight road. No, it's not like that at all. It's whoa, it's absolutely like that. And, and that's the challenge as well as the beauty. Because if it was just one straight highway, it'd be fucking boring, wouldn't it? And, and we'd be dull. No, no, I haven't, haven't traveled that one. <laughs> certainly not my road, let me tell you that much. I can tell you that for free, Pinky. It's not my road. Mine is the roller coaster ride. And, and I accept that. And, yeah. and I think when we accept that, it's, it's, uh, you can take the downs a little easier and the, and the tricky, challenging days a little easier and with a bit more optimism because you know, some, you know we're going to go up in the other direction you know, and uh, just in those early days of parenting, I think it's important to remember that and enjoy the ride. Don't be afraid of the ride. Laugh a lot. Um, be in love with your partner as much as you are with the baby in those early days. And I think it's just being you know, gentle on your partner as you are with your yeah. baby because you're not necessarily going to be as in love for a few weeks here and there or there'd be the odd day where you need to let fly a little bit. <laughs> but I love what you say about laughing, though. 
Yes. Oh, it's crucial. Look, it just in life, I don't think we laugh enough. I think I think we need to laugh more at ourselves and life, what it throws us. Um, capturing those funny moments, you know, when the baby does those explodo poos that you just think, where the heck did that come from? Laugh it, laugh it out, clean it up and laugh it on and, and move on, you know. And mm. you know, the days where you look at each other in those early days and nobody slept and you're like, God, what are we gonna, is it ever gonna end? You know, laugh at yourselves at that because it's it passes. There's there's nothing is permanent in this world. And mm. You know, when we can move into that space, that is an interesting space too, when we believe that to be true and it's the truth, nothing is permanent, nothing lasts forever, right, except death, dead forever. But, (laughs) um, you know, in the meantime, we've got all of these shifts and changes and no two days are the same with a newborn either. You know, no, so and you point. think you've nailed it one yes. day. So you do exactly the same thing the next day. You know, you'll walk around the block in the same direction. You'll put the kid in the same pajamas. Nah, they don't sleep tonight. But you, you it- do everything that you did because you've had the great day and you think, oh, I managed that. Where really it was a bit of good luck as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it totally can be totally good luck. And and I guess rolling with that, so knowing that those little cycles, they, those days just come and go and they're no two of the like and, you know, there's no such thing as routine at the start. It's just building those patterns and getting that baby, you know, into a cycle rather than forcing that baby to do what you think is right. Um, you and know, it's so much more painful because, so more you know, and I don't think there's no emotion worse than disappointment. You know, if you think you're going to do things a certain way, but your baby has a different, mm-hmm. well, he hasn't read the book that you've read, so Correct. it doesn't really happen. But, you know, that disappointment is, I don't know, it's, I think it's a really devastating sort of emotion. Mm. It's interesting. So to have know. expectations and then have them not met by you or your baby, you know, that you get disappointed and I think it's hard so better off not having the expectations really oh definitely I think for the first (laughs) six weeks you know I I feel like you just have to throw all of that out you know and and even the the books that we've read you know to get educated and the people that we talk to is all fantastic and helpful even even your doula but it really does come down to you and your baby you know yeah, you are the expert about this baby expert. that's exactly right and that's that's a key message ladies and gentlemen you're the expert you know you will know your baby better than anyone and mm. so the more we put all of that other expect those expectations behind or aside or in a box or whatever and and just be present being present is is really the key. And it's really just a moment by moment, isn't it? Or half yeah. an hour by half an hour even. It's not even, well, not even that long. Sometimes it's minute by minute. But sometimes it's day by day and it stretches out that you can have, you know, a day at a time where things feel all right. And if you have the day where you're just in your pyjamas, yep. you know, it doesn't matter. No. And particularly right now, if we're in lockdown, if you stay in your pyjamas, you know. <laughs> Peter Alexander's doing an awful good job with me. (laughs) I bet Peter Alexander's doing just fine right now. (laughs) Frankly, yeah. Well, any online shopping. Any online shopping's doing just well, but I'm thinking about, you know, my best pyjamas kind of thing and I've got all these good (laughs) pyjamas. And my husband says, so are these your day pyjamas or are they your night pyjamas? And I'll go, oh, they're my afternoon (laughs) pyjamas. Just some days, you know, just. 
just it's okay we can have pajama days and pajama days are actually quite good and while I was teaching baby massage mm-hmm. I would give women homework you know they do a three or four week course and homework would be to have a pajama day and that was to well it reduces the stimulation I mean of course you can have a shower and get dressed but what I meant was you don't necessarily have to wear your pajamas you might wear mm-hmm. you know leggings or track pants or something but just one of those days where you do nothing else but baby and watch that baby you know and what cues are you noticing and what did you notice yeah. before those came and just snuggle and nest with that baby and you know, have that pyjama day, it's reducing the stimulation to your baby and to you so that you're not in this high vibe, go, 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 adrenaline, cortisol type of state. You're actually slowing it right down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is an important space. You know, we're meant to be slow and present to our babies postpartum. Mm. We're not meant to be in that rush, fight and flight, fight and flight, fight and flight all the time. Yeah, and getting somewhere on time and watching the yes. clock. So at yes. least if you are in lockdown, that bit you can appreciate that there isn't this pressure yes. to be racing out and yes. there's nothing to prove. There is nothing to prove. And I think social media plays a big part in that too, right? Where yeah, you know, we see we see women, you know, two weeks postpartum, these influences, um, you know, movie stars, whoever it might be, you know, Mary Jo down the road who thinks she's doing great and 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 they're all made up and they all look fantastic and they're out with their two-week-old baby and it's like what do you got to prove there I'm not quite sure um because it's not good for you and it's not good for the baby I mean I'm a big fan of saying I say to my clients uh four weeks before you have your baby so from 36 weeks no social media for up to four weeks after no social media stay off actually a really good yeah because it's quite a it's quite a time suck too you like you get sucked into that vortex yes and then the comparison that's actually quite a yeah. good rule yeah. yeah it is a good rule look because when yeah. we compare that brings mm. all of that doubt self-doubt in i'm comparing my baby where my baby's at or my feeding this way or that way and then and then that sort of confidence and intuition self-intuition starts to diminish right because yes. we're not trusting ourselves um and we're not allowing our own vulnerability in so yeah i think that breeds trouble yeah, who was trouble. it said comparison's the thief of joy uh, oscar wilde was it i think I it might have been i'm not sure but i think it was somebody like that said you know comparison is the thief of joy and i think it actually is yes yes and it happens way too much way more now than it ever did um, and I, I, again, I think that's because of social media. We have that outlet. It's so much easier to see what other people are doing or not doing today. You know, before we used to just go to a mother's group and there was 10 or 12 women there, probably still compared to each other then. But Absolutely. That still went on. It still bad. went on. Is your baby sleeping? How's your baby sleeping? Yeah. Is he a good baby? Does yeah. he sleep all night? And all yeah. night can be anything. And actually one time I was, you know, teaching a baby massage group and I said, oh, let's talk about sleep, you know, and was really interesting there were eight women there and it was so much about those women's perception because one woman would say look my baby sleeps all night because he sleeps with me so I just pop a boob and you know I don't really look at the clock so yeah he sleeps all night which mm-hmm. another woman would say oh yeah my baby has a couple of feeds during the night another one will say well I get up and put the dummy in his mouth you know but those babies were actually similar ages doing similar things but the mother's perception of who actually was sleeping enough and who was 
yes. waiting more yes. varied with the individual mothers. Yeah, that's an interesting point, right? So perception, the woman's perception, babies mm. are pretty much by the sound of that doing the same thing, but how they dealt with it was different. Yeah, and how they how they felt about it, and it might have been due to pressures around them, but it was a great relief to find out that, you know, her baby over there was pretty much the same as my baby over here. Mm. Um, but just that perception of how many times they woke or how many times they didn't or I just don't give a stuff because he's in bed and he'll find a boob. And, you know, and one mother was a deaf mother was telling me how she just put her baby in bed with her because she never heard him wake up anyway. And from, you know, a certain three months or something, he would help himself. She just had no top or had a top that was undone and he would just help himself. And I thought, that's a great idea. You know, like that's another perception that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. She wouldn't have got up to her baby because she didn't hear it, or her partner would have had to get up to the baby, and she Mm -hmm. just tucked him into bed with her. And yeah, that was definitely. I was one of those. I slept Mm. with the babies and just top off, and they just got to a point where they would just help themselves in the night. Yeah, I learned that with the first one after (laughs) getting up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down, you know, and then realized that yes, they actually can find their own food. Of course, they can. They're made if it's available yeah sure and that's not for everybody of course I mean that's no, that, that was no. my vision and that worked for my family um and that's the thing too isn't it it's finding what's right for you yes. and what yep. what your groove is you know mm. not what, what works for you and your family and yes we've all got different partners we might have other children that wander in in the night so it might not yeah. be the safest space or it might wake the baby up yeah, there's lots of variables, but like yeah. you say, getting getting what you want and getting the people that mother you mm. to be respectful of mm. what's going to work for you. Yeah, yeah. Finding- you know, if you have to work all day, it might be easier to have your baby, you yeah. know, in your bed or it might not. You know, you might want a deeper slip. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows what the reasons are? The reasons uh, belong to that family and that person and those individuals. Not, not, it's not for me to judge or say, you know, no. working. It, it's working for for that family, and that's what's that's what's critical. So many women today, I find, um, you know, we can. I think you mentioned at the very start. Sometimes we there's so much information today that it's yes. too much, and it erodes at our own in, instinctual behaviour to relate to our baby in the way that comes naturally. Yeah, and and we we, um, put pressure on ourselves to do things in a certain measured way. And if we don't meet our own high expectations, Mm -hmm. um, and also I find women click into groups of this kind of parenting or that kind of parenting. um, And it's almost like if you don't do all of those things in the prescription for Mm. that particular group, you don't fit you're a little bit out and so again you're isolated or you're lonely Mm. Mm. yeah I think remembering that we're not all the same is crucial you know like Mm. even if you've got if you've found a community that as you say is 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 sort of in your direction there's always going to be someone that's you know filters out into a different realm you know yeah and we're all individuals but it comes down to kindness and non-judgmental 
you know, people. For all of us. Find those people. all new mothers. Yeah, to find all new people. mothers. Yeah, find, find your kind people. people. Find the kind people. Doesn't matter what they're doing. Find the kind people. <laughs> kind people are my kind of people. Exactly. <laughs> now let's get personal. Do you have a tits up moment in your own mothering? Because I think we look at everybody who works with mothers as though they're, you know, St. Renee, St. Pete. Oh, we all know it. Yeah. <coughs> we yeah. don't necessarily, but I'm you know, such an expert. Tits up mothering. Yeah. Tits oh. up mothering with your own kids. Because oh. I think it's fun to know that, hey, even Renee, who's worked with thousands and hundreds of mothers and doulas, <laughs> has still oh. had tits up moments with her own kids. I, look, there's too many to mention. Uh, honestly, I think the one thing that I've learned is that, again, comes back to the laughter, laughing at myself a lot and forgiving myself quickly when I've made mistakes. I think that's really crucial. Um, a tits up moment that comes to mind that is pretty funny is Harrison was about three months old and I was out shopping on my own. Um, Might have been the first time I'd kind of gone into DJs back at, I was in uh, Bondi Junction then. And uh, the feeding feeding room was a bench seat in the public toilet. That's where I had to feed my baby. How ridiculous and disgusting was that? And uh, so I'm in there and I'm feeding him. I'm fluffing around. I'm trying to change him and he's, bit, he's quite fussy. And, you know, three months, they're kind of looking around at everything, you know. And uh, I was in a hurry to get back out and do whatever it was that I was doing and hadn't realized that I had not done my top up at all and I actually still had my one of my boobs out <laughs> so I walked out into DJ's all sundry with the with the stroller I had the stroller that day normally he would he would have been sitting in a um a carrier that day I was like no it's a full stroller job today Renee so there he is, and there I am going walking out through uh, DJs with a boob hanging out. So, and I had, I'll never forget, the face of the person that walked past me first. So one lady walked completely past me and did this, like sort of <laughs> what's going on there, and said nothing. And I didn't, I didn't realise, had no clue. And it was the second lady that walked past me that pulled me over and went, oh, dear, you're, um, you're, uh, Breasts are out. <laughs> That's a tits out moment. Oh my God, tits out. Holy moly. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh. Yep, yep, yep. So it, it can happen anywhere, ladies. Remember to tuck those boobs away after feeding. <laughs> tuck it away. Tuck Clip it away. back up. Yep, yep. yep. Oh. Oh so, how can people follow you and your work and find a doula? Now, you have pregnancy and birth doulas and postnatal doulas and you also train death doulas too yeah we do we've also do a quick a quick explanation around that because I, I think that's yeah. a really important it is um, really important work yeah it is you know for me essentially the first and the last breath are the most sacred and again what I've noticed over the last year you know few years is that in in the end of life space um, there's a lot of the same uh, supports missing, emotional support. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of people here in Australia, most people still die in hospitals here in Australia, even though up to 70% want to die at home. And, you know, statistically, 
you know, we're an aging population. So there's more, we're going to have more and more people dying. Um, we have less and less beds in hospital available for that. Really, death needs to come back into the home and back into the hands of community in the same way that, you know, I think birth and, and postpartum should, right? So interestingly, when I started doing some work in, this, in, in the birth space, I ended up over the years doing some work, ironically, just with friends and family that were dying and had my own experience of uh, grief and loss uh, more times than I care to, to mention and realised that I was doing the same job, actually, doulering in the same way. And formalised um, uh, end-of-life dueling really has come into the fore probably in the last five or six years. Um, we're training end-of-life doulers now, which is very exciting, and offering up their services in the same way that we do birth and postpartum um, doulas. We also are working on a great pilot for abortion doulas at the moment. You know, I really feel that there's space for doulas in any life's transition, any major transition that you're going through because it's all about the heart. It's all about valuing the journey. It's all about someone listening to you and not judging you, just walking beside you. And at the end of life, you know, it, it's very chaotic often, particularly if that, per, you know, your person um, has died suddenly or there's been um, death by suicide, an accident. Um, it can be devastating. Um, my favorite kind of work is, is when somebody kind of knows they're dying, that might sound weird to some people, um, but it's going in and supporting the dying person and, and their, and their core loved ones, you know, holding that space in the same way that I hold the space for someone who's having a baby. So the incoming, I can do the same with the outgoing. And again, it's all about really having people understand their options and choices and having someone hold them through that transition without judgment and you know making it a, a special memorable experience with as less trauma as possible mm. well that's beautiful yeah mm. I think it's yeah because mm. you know the age that I'm at I've seen friends and family and kids yeah. and adults and you know like death is part of life but it's just yeah. beautiful that it's actually supported and yeah part of that transition yeah. yeah so how can families follow you in your work and find a doula obviously the australian doula college is Australian doula college like, yes of course uh, and women can train to be doulas you're still doing training oh we certainly are all over australia and new zealand um the course can be done via correspondence so we have some face-to-face -face options dates for next year uh up on the website australiandoulacollege.com.au you can follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, and uh, I also have my own personal website, reneeadair.com.au, and you can follow me on Instagram at womb to tomb doula. Beautiful. And I'll pop those in the show notes. Yeah. Right. So our final little thing that we leave everybody with is your tip to be the mother you want to be. Mm, mother that you want to be. I would say, I would say, trust your instincts, do things your way, and breathe into the heart space. Get your head out of the way and come from your heart. 
I love that. So, yeah, I always say to mums, what do you feel is happening what rather than what you do you feel. think is happening? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, so that trust yourself and, yeah, get into your heart. I love that. Yeah. So thank you so much, Renee. Oh, Pinky, thank you so much. It's been great chatting to you. And uh, as always, because I love you so much, thank you for the incredible work that you're doing and have done for so long. Uh, now you make me sound about 100. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm only a bee stick behind you, I think. So. Oh, no, I think you're a bit more than a bee stick behind me <laughs> as an age. <laughs> but thank you, darling, and uh, I hope that your audience got something out of today's chat. Tits up, ladies. Pull up your big girl pants. We can do this. We are mothers. In the spirit of reconciliation, I acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the traditional owners and custodians of this country and their connection to land, water and community. We pay our respect to them, their cultures and customs and to elders past, present and emerging. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tits Up. This podcast was produced by Dave Stokes. For more information, connections with our guests and special offers from our show sponsors, please pop over to my website and check out the show notes, www.pinkymccabe.com. I would love it if you could please share the love by leaving a review. Five-star reviews will help other mums to find this support and information too.